Thank you to our four sponsors for supporting our podcast. Johnny Russell's Art Caterers and Milktown Pies, Alexander Grace Law, Jez and Lisa's Spoonful of Sweets and SPE Furnishings. Links to their websites are available in the show notes and on our website. Don't forget to subscribe to get all the latest episodes as soon as they're released. Uh, I'm just doing, uh, doing a podcast with Cricket Club. Can I, can I, we, we started so, pretending to be on phone. Yes. It won't be a bird he's talking to anyway, that's for sure. Yeah, no, sorry, I, I can't, mate. I'm uh, doing this podcast with... Uh, right, Chez. It won't let me on. You're on. I can see oh, you. Oh, you're here. We're here. We can see you. Well, anyway, cheers, Mark. Uh, but why can't I see anybody else? Oh. Uh, All right, Ian, what have you been welding today, Chez? Look at these dickheads. What you mean welded today, Shez? Christ almighty. You don't go to Specsavers, you go to Everest. I'm going to crack that on before I'm done. But it'll stand repeating. <laughs> Christ almighty, Shez, if the sun gets behind them glasses, you could burn a, burn a hole in a steel sheet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something you won't know about, Stan. It's gold style. Nick Hopes, Nick Hopes coming on board from Mill Palmeiras. I can't see anybody. What about when we turn up, when someone talks? I can see you. Yeah. I can I can see Stan and Gav. Well, that's yeah. all that's on so far, dickhead. I can see Matt <laughs> I, uh, I can see Benny Dooch's stomach. <laughs> Look at these two here. What's he called off Benny Doom Donald, is it? Yeah, it does, it? <laughs> <laughs> the hellfire. Hi, Jez. Hi, Nick. Evening, all. Hi, Joe. Thanks for sorting this out, Joe. You're a star. It's all right. We've been on for eight minutes and it's already been carnage. Jez, are they your real glasses? Say again. Are they your real glasses? Or are you just wearing them for a no, 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 they pretend. Unfortunately, false moustache fell off, but the big, <laughs> the big nose and glasses stayed on. Oh, dear. He's got about seven pairs, haven't you? You showed me them all, Uncle Ian. Yeah, one for each day. Yeah. Uncle Ian, good lad. Where's Morris, anyway? He's just, he's just finishing off the finishing touches to invading Poland. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, Shez, them glasses are incredible. Fucking unbelievable. He's got a different pair. Have, have you got some patio doors for him? They're different ones. Yeah, his last, one, his last ones were slightly smaller. They were only eight foot by three foot. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had memories of last time he was there. All right. What happened last time, Stan? Carried on in disgrace. Right off of his cell. He'd be gone an hour before I missed him. When you've got to be taken on by Scott up, you are on your downers, aren't you? Why has he got Brian Holmes' shirt on? Just tell you a story about that. There were 48 bottles. I think he's called 
Smiley Joe's in it. Is he called Jack? Smiley Jacks is called Joe. Smiley Jacks. Smiley Jacks is called Joe. Have I got that right, Nick? No, it's Smiling Jacks. It's called yeah. Joe. Joe. Anyway, he decided he's not because we're in for about the third day on the trot. He's not <laughs> going to collect our bottles because we're on that San Miguel to Euro a bottle. Yeah. There's 48 bottles stacked up on this table next to us. <laughs> We're watching Burnley's annual 2-1 victory at Everton. And a couple come and sit next door to us. I'm laughing because I know what's coming. And uh, she orders a gin and tonic and he bottles a red, orders a bottle of red wine. He turns around to us and he goes, at last, some profit. Yeah. Of course, of the 48, Shields, he'd had three and gone home. Yeah. <laughs> well, to take him home in a taxi, four mile taxi, come back and put him to bed and then come back. And it was still only eight o'clock when he come back. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah. To be fair, yeah. when he woke up in the morning, he said, Oh, I do feel refreshed. Yeah, was that true? He asked for the bill, you remember? It was 55 euros because we had 48 bottles of San Miguel and a jug of fat frog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's, what's fat frog Nicky? Right. Sugar wording, green sugar. Was, it was, it was blue wicked, iron brew. It lagered out. Anasterna bitters, half a lager. It was, it was something else. Did you say blue wicked, Stan? Nicky would have enjoyed that. Is there a song in that? Oh, 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 Sorry, Nicky. And I wonder what happened to what goes on tour these days. Oh, yeah. great. We're all yes, friends, yes, yes. yes, the standards have gone, mate. This is why, when you come on the Lancashire League executive, this is why traditional cricket policing will be restored. It will. It will prevail. I bet it's the right laugh on there, isn't it? No. <laughs> you won't be able to stop laughing, will you? You'd be surprised, Chris. And he's going to <laughs> Excuse me, Michael. I need to sew my size up. <laughs> <laughs> well, just looking at the pictures on here, do you not think Paul Stanley's turning into a great grand old chap? <laughs> you like an old chap. <laughs> What's up, Stanley? What's up with why are you feeling old? You're only young. I'm not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you are old. Big night last night. Oh, dear. Big day, oh, big don't, day, don't big, bring that up. Big don't day bring today. that up, Paul. Right. What's that there, Stan? What are you drinking there, Stan? Well, unless you go straight on neat dead man's fingers, I'm on Bailey's. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, Nicky, bloody hell, I've put four jeans, three dead man's fingers, a rum and coke, half a bottle of control. Christ almighty, can I not just tone it down a bit? Oh. Wait, wait, where did you put them dead man's fingers, Stan? Put my arse. <laughs> Sazzy, oh, Stan, he's got a dead man's arm up there.
and welcome to the Housecast, Law House's official Hello. podcast. Hey, Shes, you all right? Um, <laughs> this is the second Christmas podcast after last year's, obviously, which was a, an amazing success. So we thought we'd do it again this year with similar cast of characters. We've got lots of guests on tonight. Our first one is the chairman of the club and Law House legend, Stan Heaton. How are you, Stan? I'm very well, thank you, Joe. It's an absolute honour and a pleasure to be here once again. I hope we have a great time tonight. Me too. What have you been up to? Well, I, I can't exactly... He's dead bad fingers up his heart. And throw the listeners with tails ripping leaves out of the gutter. <laughs> Uh, obviously, I'm still Keith Fairclough's official carer. Uh, the club, of course, rolls on during the winter with, with, with plenty of... We're still looking to uh, to upgrade plenty of the facilities. So, um, it's less uh, less pressurised, Joe, but still busy. Thanks Excellent. for that. No problem at all. Thanks, Dan. Uh, our next guest is another Law House legend, uh, and that is... Ian Sheridan, a.k.a. Shez, a.k.a. Uncle Ian. Uh, how are you, Uncle Ian? I'm very well, thank you. Good show. Uh, looking, forward, looking forward to uh, tonight's um, entertainment, having already been entertained enough already, uh, and uh, looking forward to the anecdotes, and in particular, Nicky Hawke's version of the It on the Edit chat then. Uh, what have you been up to, Uncle Ian? Uh, Welding? Uh, the, the normal. Um, um, uh, working, being very busy, and uh, general dog's body for everybody. How's the band? Band's still very poor, and I'm still singer. Fair enough. So if you want to go and see them, you're more than welcome. Uh, our next guest is another Law House legend, the second team uh, captain, Matt Hope. How are you, Matt? Hey. Thank you. Very well. Um... Yeah, I, I was here a little bit early. Just told me a bum steer was at half past seven, so I've been here all, over an hour now. But uh, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah looks yeah. like you've got good company. Yeah, 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 good company. Yes, <laughs> um, and uh, no, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to some good laughs and some good memories. Excellent stuff. Uh, our next guest, another Law House legend, uh, no longer plays, but comes down quite a lot, and that's Gav Shields. How are you, Gav? Oh. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Joe, yeah. Good stuff. You've got one eye on the football. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'll concentrate. Sorry. <laughs> that wasn't... Well, uh, that's very <laughs> fitting, Joe, because he only ever had one eye on the cricket ball. He's <laughs> <laughs> babbing. <laughs> yeah. How have yeah. you been, Gav? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Been uh, wasting my weekends watching Burnley and, and that and having a few parts with lads. But yeah, other than that, all's good, thank you. Now, you are part of Stan Heaton's Burnley Think Tank, which is, I don't know if, I don't know if you're privy to this, but you have, you have a meeting at half-time with, with Stan and Roger no, Brown. Basically, what happens, Joe, is we, meet, we have a pint at half-time and I have to explain to Stan what's happened in the first half because I don't have a clue. <laughs> I once went on a game with Stan. Uh, we'd been on a coaching course. So it was supposed to be a four-week coaching course and he organised with the person running the course to do it in four hours so then he could go and watch <laughs> then he could go and watch Birdley. Uh, he treated me to a, a burger 
And then for the whole of the first half, I don't think he watched a single kick of the ball. He was just abusing people around him. <laughs> yeah, says that's done. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, we go on at half-time and we listen to what Shields has to say. And then we turn to his dad for something sensible. Um, <laughs> he, he's, uh, Shields and Matt Stanley, of course, who, again, has failed to turn up through fear, uh, are, are heads of the Dark campaign. And that just about sums it up for me. Uh, thanks. Thanks again, Stan. <laughs> Welcome. Right. Our next guest is another Law House legend, and that is Paul Stanley. Hey! hey. hey. How are you, Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? It's good to be here. Good, to, good, good to be amongst friends and enemies. <laughs> yeah, always good to see you manage. I don't think yeah. we we don't talk enough. I don't think. No, I don't. I don't talk to a lot of people, Joe. <laughs> Not. Uh, you not be the only no. one I ought to talk to from April, from uh, September to uh, April. Started, I've started ringing Joe Benaducci, so you can be uh, awaiting my no, call, manager. Ring me whenever you like, Joe. Ring me whenever you want. Well, you'd be better off ringing Paul Stanley than Joe Benaducci. Bloody hell. <laughs> Joe Martin, the only reason you ring Joe Benaducci is to look after his cat, though, isn't it? Well, I can't say anything about that, but I'm always available for cat sitting duties if anybody needs me. Uh, our next guest, coming in all for, uh, coming in from Spain, is Law House legend, former captain, Nicky Hope. How are you doing? Do you not care? Do you not care what I've been up to? <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> manager, do yeah, absolutely. What well, do you mean, You say you don't ring me at all. <laughs> I've uh, been doing my charity work. I've got administering booster jabs. Shopping for old ladies. I've been helping homeless. How many old ladies have you got? <laughs> Few. <laughs> Where do you buy them, Stanley? <laughs> so, yeah, I've, 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 that's what I've been up to. I, I do help the homeless. As Joe Benedict, you find out last night, I donated some apples to an homeless guy on the street last week. Made me feel better about myself. Well, that's, that's nice, man. You, you don't have to tell the story. Wow, Sorry, there's got to be a punchline <laughs> to that. There isn't. No, I just, so I give him, I give him half a dozen apples. I went in and bought him half a dozen apples. What kind of apples did you get? He had, he had no teeth to eat them. We <laughs> he made it into cider. Fan <laughs> um, of a Braeburn apple for the record. Thanks. Red, Thanks, manage. Red, red ones, Joe. Red ones. Yeah. Could be a. I don't know. Coxes maybe. I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, ask Nicky how he is now. How are you, Nick? What have you been up to? Fantastic, Joe. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Very well. Thanks, thanks for inviting me on this. It's all right. We um we need lines. Um, <laughs> all, all fantastic. Retired life's treating me fantastically well. I'm golfing for England. Uh, I go to Spain once a month for a week. Although this uh, this new vi this unicorn virus or whatever it's called, he's <laughs> obviously worrying me because I don't know whether we're going to be able to get home. Um, but we need to get home for Christmas. But no, fantastic. There's loads of the golf. Um, being here with Jez, this we came here for on uh, Monday, something like that, and it's lovely to spend time with him. We've come to do a load of jobs because the house is getting a little bit in disrepair. And so far, I've got a list of 47 jobs and we've done one of them. 
Um, and I'm going to pay somebody to do all the 46. <laughs> <laughs> have you, uh, have you let Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jez dig a hope onto the golf course set? Nick? No. Jeff. No. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> He's walked round once, Stan, and that were hard enough. He, yeah. Uh, he, he, yeah. He's not his game in golf. No, no. Amazing, well, really. Wednesday, hang on. I golfed on Wednesday, I think it was. I said to him, I only said to him about five tasks. I come back, he'd done sweet fuck all, apart from drink about 12 cans of uh, San Miguel. So, we're not But doing you that. did ask him to empty the bin, and he managed that after he filmed it. Yes, yeah. Oh, brilliant, thank you. Home, home Sunday and then uh, for Christmas, as long as this uh, abacus virus or something, whatever it is, don't stop us. Yeah, I don't know. Can I put a can I put a call out for people to get the booster jabs? I don't know if, if you can, but maybe get, maybe get a booster if you can. Thanks, um, Joe. I got mine today. I got mine today. Three, I've had three, Joe. A lot of plays at our golf club. In our, we play every, three times. 45-year-old. Got COVID, anti-vaxxer, nine weeks in hospital, got pneumonia, was so close to dying, unbelievable. Played golf against him on Saturday. He was like a wreck. He looked 75 and he didn't want to talk about it. So I said, don't tell me when to stop if you don't like, but what do you think now? He said, well, I caught it at the same time as my mate who had three days in bed sniffling and I nearly died. So what do you think? I should, should have had the vaccine. And did he beat you? Did he beat you at golf or not? No. You're looking around in no. 65 as well. <laughs> so anyway, get your vaccines, you dickheads. <laughs> right. uh, and we have our two uh, usual hosts of the podcast. Um, our first one is sat next to Nicky Hope, and it's Jez Hope again, Law House <laughs> legend. Yeah. How are it, you, Jez? Yeah, good. Thanks, Joy. It's been a great, uh, great little trip we've had. Nicky's economical with the truth a little bit. There was 47 jobs, but 42 of them were easy peasy, you know, change a plug, a little bit of grouting, you know, just maybe let's put a new um, socket in here or a, a, a tap for the for the sink. But So I've tried to do the most of those. Nicky goes playing golf and leaves me to paint the outside of the whole villa. <laughs> So I've got this. I've got the ladders up. I've tried to do as much as I could when he, he kicked me out of bed in the morning. Not literally out of bed. We weren't sleeping together, but out the uh, out of the upstairs department. And I and I didn't finish it. He comes back half cut at five o'clock, bollocking me. And yeah. I can just see you and Nicky in bed like more than wise, striped pajamas on, going up, squeezing the grapefruits and catching the toast. Yeah, with a cup of tea. Yes, <laughs> yeah, man, it's been brilliant. No, we've had a good, good little trip, and um, you know, we'll see how it goes from there. Just one thing for, for you know, the fantastic pub punk lad in Sheridan. I don't know what I want, but I know how to get it, Shez. No, neither do I. Just want to, uh, just want to destroy passers by. That's it. Good lad. <laughs> you don't fail, does he? Uh, our final uh, our final guest tonight, who is actually a host of the podcast, is Joe Benaducci. Hey! How are you, Dooch? Well, thanks, Joe. A bit fuzzy-headed, actually, because we had a 
some of us on this call had a really good good night out last night, but not everybody, just to select you. No dickheads allowed. Noted. <laughs> have you been have you been up to much, Booch? Um last Saturday I witnessed somebody score 43 stable for points and win the competition. Really? On this call, somebody on this call. And what's that mean? 43? 26? Is it high or low? 43 is seven under par. Seven Matt up, seven under par. That must be Matthew Norman Conquest up. That conquest or god piece. Excellent. Well, he should have told us about that. That was yeah, he's modest, isn't he? He's modest, too modest. Yeah. Uh, let's get let's get started. Uh, oh, uh, I will start as ever with uh, with Christmas coming up. We are obviously uh, close to the Christmas drink, or as Stan christened it, Giovanni Christmas drink. So uh, Stan and Jez, I think that. Um, you would have been at the first iteration of the Christmas drink. Uh, so if you have any uh, stories of how it started, I think we might have covered it in a previous podcast, actually. Uh, but any uh, stories from that and how it's developed over the years would be great. I'm looking at 1980, when I'm just about getting the first team. We're getting a bit of a, a social section going, if that's the right word. And Roger Brom, everyone thinks Roger's a quiet, you know, no, um, he doesn't drink much. But in those days, he was, he was a serious, serious drinker. I think, Stan, if you can if you can build us up to when you and Roger first started having a pint and playing cricket, and then we'll start thinking about where the first Christmas drink was for Laura Ives. Well, uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure Roger would would thank us for this accurate character assassination, but uh, at first glance, you'd be forgiven for thinking that Roger was sort of a Sunday school teacher. Uh, far from it. <clears throat> and his ability to drink, certainly back in the day, we all, we all lessen our uh, capacity as we get older. Certainly back in the day, Roger was the original hollow legs drinker at Warhouse Cricket Club. Area, area, uh, and uh, I can tell a celebrated story where he once said that he'd never be affected by drink and didn't turn up for, for a match. Uh, back in the day, <clears throat> which featured the late Brian Tracy, God rest his soul. But Roger um, was uh, Roger was my best man at my uh, wedding, and he's uh, he's a fantastic guy. He's sweet natured. Funny, whilst being unassuming, he's not sort of uh, shouting your face funny. And he's a serious drinker. And we began these uh, Christmas um, get-togethers largely as an outlet for Roger's domino, domino play. Yeah, it was, yeah. As, uh, unbeknown to many at the time, Roger was one of the foremost dominoes players in Burnley. He didn't play for a team, he didn't play in the league, but... Um, he was nevertheless a Domino's legend in the General Williams to Rosegrove area. And we began the players drink as a vehicle for Roger's Domino playing. And it, it snowballed from there. Unfortunately, Roger, uh, he was injury prone as a cricketer and he was injury prone as a Domino's player because he developed knocker's knuckle. 
and uh, through repeated knocking, he had to retire from the game. I was there when it, when it happened in the general. In the general. Uh, and, and, and it, it really, he slunk all in his grace. Um, but it, it, it's important, actually, that we resurrect the, the players' drink because something like five or six years ago, there were 100 in attendance. I think last year there were about 12. Joe Benedict, Joe Crepe, because I'm ashamed to say I didn't go. So let's get it back together again. Let's have a real good drink. Plenty of dominoes. Matt Oak knows this. Some of the stakes get, get incredible, but you don't have to play for them. Some might be playing for a pound or a pound a point. You can play for a penny a point. Same with the cards. Chase the ears. It's all there. Great tail. Great company. Great conviviality. And a little bit of abuse. Stan, can I just swap abuse for banter? <coughs> yes, I didn't mean criminal <laughs> offence abuse. Um, I meant banter abuse. Yeah. Albeit banter now is being uh, being seen as maybe it's not appropriate. But no, that you're perfectly right. And that's really <laughs> you've can, I, can I ask how many people have attended a Christmas drink in the back room before the club got? Uh, oh, Nicky, 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 Nicky. What? Yeah. Have you? What? Uh, can I just develop that? Because back in the day, when the club was two rooms and, and, and certainly not wind or rainproof, and they wouldn't put the heating on because it either uh, broken down or they couldn't afford it, the current boiler room could seat three people on a bench on the left hand wall, three people on a bench on the right hand wall. Two on the back wall and one behind the door. So on a Saturday afternoon, luminaries such as Duncan Hall, Kevin Higgins, Jack Hayes, Jerry Dawson, Bill Beardsworth, a name not known to many, myself as a, as a juvenile guest, Peter Duckworth, Roy Duckworth, we're all cramming there. The downside was, well, the upside was we were warm. Uh, several people in a small room, in, in fact, in a tiny room. The downside was you want to go for a, a, a whiz at the same time, you want to go to the bar at the same time, and if somebody <laughs> farted, it was ma'am. So is but, it, uh, I mean, they were, as Paul Stanley would say, we were happy when we were shit. <laughs> I think, well, Jolly, so then it developed from those stories Stan says, and then Roger's was in general Williams, you know, his name's still behind the bar. Uh, I'm not sure it's right, the dominoes or the because no, he owes 20 quid. I thought it was, yeah. Um, <laughs> and 40 years ago, that was a lot of money. As a cricket club, we did get into this, you know, we need to keep together in winter. So Roger said, Let's have a couple of pints. So we started off, I think 79 now, I look back, Stan, but I think it was 79 or 80. I wouldn't argue, yeah. Christmas sticking, drink. Sticking those those cloth yes. beer towels into gaps, gaps in the in, in the bar shutter to keep the wind out, and drinking yes. barley wine because it was the only thing. Barley wine was a beer, believe it or yes. not. Yeah. That, that in the shutters... Was I think before me and Rog or Roger, you know, instigated the Christmas drink. You because then we had Roger said, right, we're all going to go to the General Williams and have a few pints, and that was seventy nine or eighty. Yeah. 
Belastin turned up. I think Lofty turned up for a couple of pints. You were definitely there, and Brian Tracy and, and others. I can remember Dave Wally being there. Yeah, I think he turned not, up. That's uh, not that 79, that. No, he's it's later than that. He's not younger than me, is Dave Wally. It was, yeah, well, I remember it being 1980 um, because I was 17 and my dad was there as well. So, anyway, so we moved to the year after. 1980, and Roger decides because there's half a dozen more people coming, there's 10 of us, we're going to go to the Bull and Butcher because they had a dartboard. They let yeah, it play dartboard. Yeah, yeah. And we're just thinking, right, this is now. We're evolving as a cricket club socially and keeping the lads together throughout the winter. So then it comes to, you know, I'm still only a young lad, but with Ken Small is saying, you know, if you're spending money, outside the club during the winter, why not come down to Lower Ice? We'll open the bar. So I'm convinced that 1981 was the first Lower House Cricket Club drink at the Cricket Club, which makes this year a 40th anniversary. Wow. Cricket Club drink. So why not people come down and celebrate that with us? Manage, can you remember your first Christmas drink or any any particular stories from it? Matt, Matt might remember this better than me, but I can remember when some older ones had gone home, we all lived behind the door with fire extinguishers and waited for John Brock to walk in and absolutely obliterated him. I think that was on Christmas. It was, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then we had a fire inspection about three months later and Rusty got his arse handed to him by fire brigade because they were all empty. Which was a bit reckless because we put them all back up wall, but... I can remember that. Stanley, do, you, Stanley, do you not remember having absolutely no idea how to play new markets and you won? You thought he had no idea how to game play new market. After game, after game, after game. Now, one of the people that we don't get on this podcast very often is Nikki. Nikki, hello. Hello. Um, hello. So, and also last year you had an event that you needed to go to, so you missed anarchy that that carried on for a couple of hours um so i would uh, ask if you have you've played with everybody except for me i think on this call do would, could you just tell me about what it was like playing with everybody on this uh, on this call please wow blimey well i think mine and stan's uh, opening part partnerships are well documented and absolutely legendary so I'm, I'm still in the hands of lawyers we're not. I'm not. Not so sure. We need to go through them. To be to be honest, um, Gav Gav was quite interesting because we we did try Gav as an opener quite a few times, and he went out to bat with me. And uh, we, if we were ever playing against uh, a quickie bowler, which we would have done at them times, the way to the wicket, Gav frequently asked me, "Are you shitting yourself as well?" <laughs> <laughs> And I said, no, no, not really, Gav. I said, just try and watch the ball. If it's going for your head, move. Um, I've had some epic uh, games with Uncle Ian. Um, it, it, all over the show. Townley. Cherry uh, Fold. Yeah, absolutely. Captain, uh, Arthur Greenwood. Remember St Andrews? St Andrews, yeah. Remember that? St Andrews, yeah. In school and we were... We were out for four. We bought all the team out for two yeah. uh, on, on a Saturday morning. I were only about nine, That's and this guy had this old bloke, and it, it, it uh, I got under it, and it hit a telegraph wire on the way down, and it hit me right flush on top of head. 
because I obviously were only nine, I cried. So um, that wasn't good. Who else have we got here? Matt. Uh, I can't say a lot about Matt's fixtures uh, because uh, um, a lot of them are probably not broadcastable. <laughs> um, he tried hard. Yeah, I can't. I, I played with Stanley when he great bowler, and he was always if a pro got him, we always brought him on um, to get pro out, and he generally did. And then I also played with him when he got yips, and he, he, we had to have like a, a nine slip just to stop his his wide one from going for four wides. <laughs> when, I, when I got yips at Tomadin, we played that bad as a team. It looked like we'd never met each other. But obviously, most of the stories, because we own batting with Stan for a long time. Well <coughs> documented, well legendary, time. and well boring. And well, Stan, I'm just going to come on to that because I. I, I Not you, Nicky, you got on with it. I you think went I bore the brunt of that because when we generally, Stan was so selfish, um, we would. I'd be thinking, like, obviously, Stan couldn't run and stuff, so switching the equation. <laughs> Four overs from one end where all, he hadn't used his bat and padded it, just padded it back. I felt like I had to go. I think I sacrificed my, my wicket quite a, many times because we were probably six for six for none off eight overs and Stan hadn't used his bat. So then I had to try and play shots that I wouldn't normally play because of how Stan had batted. Cover drive. So it was... Please. Nicky, Nicky, no, no, just please. before he tells the tale, can you remember some of the arguments we used to have about you and Stan saying we bowl more half volleys? I like to face <laughs> our attack because we bowl more half volleys than any other attack at league. Yeah. And it was always retort, we like to bowl to our batters. Yeah, because you won't hit them. Because <laughs> they don't hit our volleys. Exactly. And me and, when we went out to bowl, me and Stan would be fielding uh, obviously one in covers and one at uh, point, probably. Uh, and after, like, first six balls, I'd look at Stan that's we've just sent them four fucking lollipops down there and they've uh, it's the 16 for none off one over and and we've had like we haven't had one ball to score off a first eight over so that's what <laughs> and not only that they didn't cover wickets or anything then they were always piss wet through um and it were like it, it were a minefield you should uh, see how bad they are now Nicky. Yeah, well joe if i played now me and stan if me and stan played now we'd get 1200 apiece <laughs> I'm bad in the career that. And that's having a fortnight off in July. <laughs> which, of course, which of course, Nick, we'd take now, whereas in our day we didn't. We played we played throughout the season and holidayed and, and married even out of the season. Absolutely, absolutely, Stanley. Yeah. Nicky, oh, Nicky, were you captain or were it, were it Matt captain when Stan didn't turn up for a game? Me. Yeah. <laughs> That is Matt. Matt. Me. Matt, I, I, Matt, well, Matt rang me. It. Matt rang me. I had to ring it and it turned up. It was like under 15s game. I rang it. It was a real Ames game. And we'll get there. There's 10 men. Ram's bottom, Matt. Ram's bottom home. So I rings him. Jack And Jackie answered the phone. I said, Stan, in. yeah, one second. Stan, Matt's on phone for you. Hiya, Matt. What can I do for you? Uh-huh. Are you playing today or not? What are you about? So. We're all in the dressing room. <laughs> we're, we're waiting to play. Right, shit, I forgot. I'm on my way. So he turns up in his whites <laughs> with his lime green open championship bag with orange piping. <laughs> with his, um, his gazelle trainers uh, moulded 
rubber shoes on. And they had, and Joe, I'm not, this is no word of a lie. I can't if it was them or his Walsh's bowling boots and fucking hell, they, they were underused. They had about a 35 foot lace. <laughs> and he had to wrap them around his, his feet about 18 times. Where is he says, Dan, why don't you cut them? And it took him 15 minutes to tie his laces. He used to rock, down? didn't he? He used to rock on his boots. Yeah, they were that thick. <laughs> And, it, and yeah, it turned up. Yeah, and it, uh, it was about. I, I don't know if we were, I, I, I don't know if we were batting or bowling, but uh, I, I think I, I think we were bowling because if we were batting, it, it'd have already been out. So it was that um, you've you've raised a few issues there, Matt. Uh, let's just concentrate on the Open Championship bag. <laughs> back back in the day where coffins were were in existence. People, generally speaking, had old-fashioned bags. They actually had straps and buckles. That's rude, As I say, the coffin had come in. Chairs became an agent for Open Championship, <clears throat> whatever happened to them. He says, Stanley, so can I, you fancy it? I said, yeah, I said, I'll have a new bag, Jess. So get me something, uh, you know, modernistic, but nothing outrageous. <laughs> I am, after all, Stan, Stan Eaton traditional cricketer, still wearing white button-up shirts. And bright green bag with orange piping. I'm not joking. It looked like an escape from Sherwood Forest. It was absolutely horrific. People could see me coming. They were using me on adverts for dress to be safe in fog. <laughs> it was absolutely... <laughs> uh, and, and I think I paid something like three times... Three times they come in. As, as Jess said, it was a unique bag. There's not many using these stamps. I thought, I'm not fucking surprised. Brilliant. So, I just remember one of my uh, earliest games that I played, uh, and I, I wasn't opening the bat in there. I think it was probably number four or five. And I guess, I don't know, I'll have been in the early 20s or something, maybe. Stan was uh, at opening innings and obviously held his bat because he hadn't used it. And overs. <laughs> We were playing against Damien Fleming, a young Damien Fleming, <clears throat> and we were, I think we were about eight for four, or I don't know, it might have been ten for five, and I went in, and uh, so I thought, well, I'm batting with Stan, he's a legend of the club, he's played for hundreds of years, and I'm going to get some really good advice, and I was facing, because he just bowled somebody, and he, so Stan said, come, de- come, take your guard and come and have a chat with me, so I walked down the wicket and and Stan said, um, he said, well, I faced seven balls off him and everyone were different. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I don't really know what to tell you. And we, how many were right for that day? About 40. I don't know, it was a hell of a player. Australian ball. test player. I do, uh, I do uh, agree with what Nicky said, uh, that uh, I faced seven balls off him and everyone... <laughs> Everyone was different. I mean, yeah. that takes some doing, doesn't it? Yeah, Damien Fleming played Frenfield in '93. He didn't make his test debut until '94, so he weren't a test player when he played Frenfield. Yeah, no, he but it was he that bloody, he must have been bloody near to it, Joe, to play what? next year. Joe, what was it? Uh, nine for twenty-seven off twenty point two overs. Yeah, so an hundred and ten Good effort. Blimey. So, so you can see why boring players like Stan Eaton have to keep people like that out. 
Stan, you were never, you were a boring player. Don't let them bring you down. Well, like it is, it's a magic dangerous. <laughs> and what not many people realize in Fabricor's year, I was one ball off winning the fastest 50. Yeah, stand up. I, I, don't have to def- I don't have to defend myself in front of these scurrilous attacks. No, that's Stan, what about that year when you were one ball off getting 500 for the season and that blow sent it to Square Lake? <laughs> John Dawson. John Dawson. Yeah, it was. John Dawson. Oh. I'm sure we've told this before, but I'll tell it again because talk about your lot, your lowest points, but once you can laugh at it, slipped out of his hand. It was heading towards square leg, probably ten yards from the the wickets, and I and I thought, oh, I can hit that. Oh, four runs takes me to over five hundred with two or three games left to the end of the season. So I pursued it, lifted my bat up to. Uh, and it must have been a worm cast or something because it shot. <laughs> it had oh, almost God. stopped and it shot for and I missed it. <laughs> Scurried back to me, Chris. It was stationary. Scurried back. No, it wasn't me. Scurried it was. Back. Don't, start, don't spoil the good story with the truth. <laughs> shot back to me, Chris. And Jez and several others were sunning themselves in front of the top gate. As was then, as, as is now, been shut in between times. And Chet, Chet was doing the dying fly with his legs. And all I could hear was, <laughs> I can remember Ted smacking him all over down Law House. Ted Whittle is the only person I battered with who cried, who was crying at the wicket. Has anybody ever had it? Was we played against um, Joe Angel at Burnley? Got it that many times on a green top, and uh, and it were hard though. It was hard the wicket, and he he he, he were he were bounding in, and uh, me and Ted open batting, and third ball, so he eat Ted right under uh, under Art on his ribs. No helmet on, did Ted as well, and uh, I went up and he. Ted were crying. Physically said that you can't believe how much that's hurt. Um, and then Craig Light was the pro that year, so that tells what year it was. Ted were out bold next, and Craig Light came out with no helmet on. He were a proper space cadet. No, no, he didn't. It, 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 it got up and walked down the steps without an helmet on. Yes. So what what you're doing? And he put one on. He did well. I thought he faced a ball, Matt. Imagine it. Imagine it. And yeah. the first ball he put an helmet on, eat him on the head, and he went for six off his head. Yeah. <laughs> Down towards cricket field stand. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, dear. He, he, wrong. He, he, he was about eight ball marks all over Fel- his body. Pellets on his chest and yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he, 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 it was a torso, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never I never realized I plays with I played with such soft arses. Here he is, Stan. You used to get it. Used to get it 30 times, 30 times a game, and that was in the warm-up. Yeah, talking talking of which, Stan, that game against your angel, you were supposed to play and you took overtime for work. 
Was that the same Brett Angel that when we were 64 or 8 at Warhouse? Joe's brother, Brett. Order, Joe. Order. You were centre forward for Wimbledon. Order, order, Joe. The same Joe Angel who was 64 or 8 at Warhouse. I got 24 and up to for 6 into the aperture between the first, the total and the batsman into the scorebox. Also, in, in that game, there's, there's another quite funny tale. I think one of the... Joe Angel got quite a lot of wickets, and we, we were we were pretty shit that, that era. And Prop got run out going for a, a, a two or a three. <laughs> and and <laughs> this bloke's running round boundary, and he come in, and he was about 19 yards out with Prop going back for third. And he, he come back in and said, I didn't know it were Pro. How many other six foot nine players have they got? Props. He <laughs> picked it up in, in Wellington car park, whizzed it like an absolute shell over top of the stumps, and Prop had just turned round. But I didn't know it were pro. <laughs> what about Agate getting run out going for a three off the first ball of a game? Of the season. season. Of the season. Of the season. Of the yeah. season. <laughs> An opening batter, first ball of the season, getting run out going for a three. I was batting. I was, that was that started manager's superstition of never watching the first ball of a game. I was batting with him at the time. He, I can't remember who was bowling. I think it might have been Sam Sanderson, I think, or something like that in the second team. Uh, and Agus clipped it off his legs and shouted three <laughs> straight away. And I thought, oh, that's optimistic. <laughs> so anyway, I'm a junior player, so I, I ran as I, as I did. Um, uh, and and as I was getting as I was getting in for my third run, I just heard the I heard the clatter of the wickets, uh, and Agus walking walking past me first ball first ball of the season. One thing that we've never actually discussed on the podcast is Nikki as captain. I'll give you. I'll summarise that now. Clueless. <laughs> <laughs> So what we'll do, what we'll do, Nicky, is we'll we'll go through your um, appraisal of your captaincy years, and then I presume I presume the majority of people on here played under you, and we'll see have some stories about it. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's quite harsh, Dan. That I thought I was uh, an excellent captain. Played. I think I've got I've got your captaincy list here. Yeah, trying to lead an absolute shower of shit. So I think I did a good job given the circumstances. But I would I would like to know the, uh, the record, and I think you'll find that I, I, in the year I captain Joe, I was selected for the league side for my performance with the bat. So I think I, I carried the bat myself with little help from everybody else, including Stan. Um, I'm pretty sure I got over five hundred. On one or two of the years I captained. Um, what years did you do, Nick? I can't, Joe, I've no idea. I can't remember, honestly. No. Uh, 19, let's see, nine, 95, maybe? 95, 96? No, I don't think so. Earlier than that. Earlier? I think so. Well, well, you, you definitely did it later. You were captain yeah. when I made my debut in 2001. You were captain then. Yeah. All right. Who are pros, Nick? Pardon? 
Who are the pros? Uh, Hill, quick. Martin Van Yarsfeld. Twice, I think. Also, 99, 2000. Were it? So, 34, 35. Blimey, yeah. Yeah. 2000, I remember, debut. Yeah, you were, cap- you were definitely captain then. Yeah. All right. What was... So, he was the best professional I've ever played with or against him. Really? Against as well? As in, no, no, maybe not against as well, because I didn't spend enough time. But if he set his mind to get 100, he got 100. Every, he, he, were, he were a quality batter. Quality. He was, he was, yeah. I think Bless says that as well. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. He weren't always in the mood, but when he were, he just knew he were like he just he never hit it off floor though that helped because you know I'd look, he hardly got caught that year at all. Uh, great player, great player. What about playing under Nicky? Because I can remember when I was at school with Cos, we used to we used to talk about cricket. <laughs> When we were when we were there, and that you were you were captain because Shez, you were captain of the twos at the same time, I think. Yeah, that was another very disappointing part of my career. <laughs> <laughs> so where what where where, where, where where did we come in my captaincy years? So yeah, so what we're saying, two thousand two thousand one. Yeah. Uh, two thousand, we finished. Thoroughly mid-table, one, two, three, four, five, six, eighth. Which in them days were a bloody achievement. And 2001, sixth. Oh, well, there you go, Joe. So we're getting better. Yeah. We're upward trend. Yeah, saying the words. The, um, well, talking- yeah, Joe, can, can I just interject here? Yeah, please. If you played in a side under a hope, you played under... A hard-bitten, tough campaigning, wanting to win, never give up, captain. And all three were inspirational. I think oh, that, that there's a book coming here. No, no, there, there's no book till we get to Nick. <laughs> Matt and Jez were bowlers. <laughs> So they had an awful lot to think about. They to think about everything under the sun when we were fielded, including how they best used themselves. And obviously, Nick was a batsman. So Nick could probably uh, add a little more uh, of a comfort zone to think about things. But uh, under their captaincy, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And we played to win. And, and I suspect that them three lads, like myself, wished that we played now. Absolutely. Wish that we played now on the tracks that we play on, in the in the facilities that we've got, <laughs> in, in the environment that we've got. You'll not hear me. I'm teasing about Nick. Oh, I will tell you a story in a minute. <laughs> Those lads epitomised Lawrence Cricket Club. Epitomised everything about Lawrence Cricket Club. Solid lads, great lads, team spirit, will to win, everything. I do remember throwing my toys out once, Joe. And we were at Enfield, I don't know anybody remembers it. And it's not because I got, I got some runs. And uh, say, David Seiko bought it, give me some fearful stick because I, I, I played and missed more than eight ball, but 
I, I think I got 80 or 90. And we lost the game off the last ball of the game because it went through John Proctor's legs on boundary. And we came into the dressing room and it, I were absolutely fucking fuming. And, uh, and I lost all my dignity and everything because I just said, you're all a set of wankers. Pick me back up. <laughs> In my whites, got in my car and drove home. <laughs> <laughs> right, I do remember that. One of, one of the funniest games under Nicky, and it weren't because of Nicky's captains, because of how we were sometimes as a team, a little bit inconsistent. I can remember when we battered all overs for 51 against East Langs. <laughs> we finished 51 for nine. Well, at home or away, kind of At home. We I battered all the overs and finished 51 for nine. Because it's almost stand, impossible to do. <clears throat> me and me and Jez were in the end against Claude Henderson. Oh yeah, yeah, he could bowl though, couldn't he? Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And Jez, Jez just decided, senior man, let's not get out. So, <laughs> so, we, <laughs> so we finished fifty-one for nine or fifty overs. <laughs> wow. wow, I remember that though, Stan. I'd like to say that was the start of the better times because um, me and Jez particularly mapped to. A lesser extent lately, we're playing fairly serious football at Belvedere then, and we're fit as fiddles. I might have been a bit late, later, but and train Malcolm Yardley were training us, and we were. I know you might laugh now, that, but we were fit as butchers' dogs and playing fairly serious and getting fairly professional as far as Belvedere can get professional. And we're winning all sorts, Lancashire Cups and all sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we, we said, Why don't we like this at Law House? Was it at Belvedere, we would have killed to beat somebody. It didn't matter who it were. We knew everyone really played and said, right, he's their best player, Jez. Within the first five minutes, you have to knock him over at stand. And lo and behold, Jez knocked him over at stand. Um, and so he then either couldn't play or limped all the way through the game. And then the next, he monks our best player by miles. We get the ball. Somebody knob at left back, you give it him. And we won, you know, loads of games. So why can't we transfer that to the cricket club? Because we were always turning up and thinking, we're going to lose here, we're going to lose, we're going to lose. And I think that's what we did. I think, And, and obviously Martin helped fantastically because he just said, you know, if he said I'm going to get 100, he got 100. Um, and bowled fairly meanly and all, to say he weren't a bowler. You know, he had a plan and he, you know, he just fired into thigh pad of right-handers and they couldn't score off him. Um, yeah, you, you, you're right, Nick. I mean, obviously, I don't know what the cricket equivalent is knocking the, knocking the left back over, uh, right winger over the stand. But and we were playing, and this shouldn't be undermined. And I don't want to sound like an old soldier, but we today's professionals, with the greatest of respect to them, are very tidy cricketers, but they're not international cricketers. Some many of them aren't even first class cricketers of any any great note, and and amateur players had to play against them. I would say sometimes the wickets were a leveler. You know, Michael Oldham it leaves his hand at ninety miles an hour. He hits your bat at sixty five miles an hour because it's sunk into the pitch. You know, I'll have I'll, I'll have some of that, but we we played in extremely difficult times and we tried to be on occasions when I say on occasions I mean some years some years maybe not but we tried to be quite professional now nowadays it's nowadays it's amateur cricket or you might argue semi-professional cricket but with a very much more professional outlook and everybody buys into it and good for them absolutely because it's a better watch but like I say, if you could put the pros of 
20 years ago on the pictures that they're playing on now and with the standard of the amateurs now, it would have been a fantastic watch, wouldn't it? Well, they would, Nick, and I go, I go as far as to say this. If, uh, and I've mentioned you three, uh, Jez, Matt and Nick, if you're three, and Gary Morris, and there are others, if your four attitudes could be transplanted into today's cricketers, my God, what a machine that would be. Mm. Because I'm sorry to say this, in the modern world, I think there's a bit of a softness. And if this goes out on social media, so be it. There's a bit of a softness about society. And that softness is, and when I say softness, I don't mean jelly softness. I just mean outlook softness. And that transmits itself into cricket. So today's cricketers, for instance, I don't think, with a few exceptions, Nobody's going to assume, uh, uh, accuse Paddy Martin, Joe Martin, and uh, and Benny for being soft. But that that hard bitten, gutsy attitude of the olden days isn't isn't as prevalent today, in my opinion. Stan, you're you're in, Stan, you're hundred percent right in the way things have turned. But then I, you know, I lighten it a little bit. I've watched a bit of cricket yesterday and today, and listened to commentators. And Ian Chapel is quite vocal on Test match special, and I have never heard as much shite in my life. Who he talks about in the sixties and seventies when they played, we did this, we did the other. The game's changed without a doubt. Bigger bats. Better pictures, you know, whether you're talking of international cricket or our our level of cricket, and people's attitudes change, the, the priorities change. You know, we never trained, you know, we tried hard, and and I and I really appreciate what you're saying about you know us three and, and Gary, but you would you would work your nuts off and try and do as well as you can. But you look at you know, I'll never forget. I think we had it with, with Dooch and, and Charlie Cotton, how that the first team, they won the league through sheer commitment of training and uh, planning and organisation and getting things right. So the point I'm trying to make is that um, times change. You know, me, we, me and you didn't have PlayStations. Now, all of a sudden, they're, they're on all these different other mediums. So things do change. Um and it's not always for the worse. Sometimes it's for the better, you know. And they'll still have the crack that, like we, uh, like we had the crack. Yeah, I, I totally accept that, Jez, and I totally agree. You know that people are the product of their times. Yeah, that view of it. I think that one thing we can say about all our sides since our beginnings, they were gutsy. Yeah, they were so gutsy. The, point, the point I'm making, Stan, is that we fielding was. A case of you stop the ball going for four or you catch it. Whereas now they practice yes, yes, sliding, yes. sliding past the ball, picking it up, throwing to the mate who throws it in and runs someone out. Or, and I know for you know our first team, you look at first class cricket of 2020s, they practice the ball going literally probably 20 foot over the boundary edge, but they 
they train how to jump up, catch it, and throw it back in. Yes, yeah, yeah. Me and course, you yeah. used to have our old Walshers on to protect our ankles when we stand <laughs> the edge. Stan, can you tell us about the time when uh, I think it might have been at Colne when the sun was in your eyes? That's yeah, that, that, that they're classic. That's a good, that's that's a good exactly. example. Good example. It, I will tell you because I have no problem laughing at myself. Uh, I do that every day in the mirror. Um, <laughs> it was a difficult weekend. On the Saturday, we played East Lanks, and uh, I'd hit the ball uh, to extra uh, backward point, an easy two. I ran down, turned and slid, and, and sprung off in the acceptable coaching fashion. To be met, my John Proctor was much quicker than myself on the wrong side of the track, and he trampled me to the deck. <laughs> picked myself up, picked myself up, gathered my bat, went hell for leather for the wicketkeeping end for a two, and by that time, I'd, I'd developed a technique whereby if I saw the wicketkeeper's eyes light up, I knew that the ball was about to hit the gloves. That was the point that I would dive. Unfortunately for me, Dave Pearson was ahead of me. His eyes lit up. I dived. I was an inch short and they didn't throw the ball. <laughs> I tried to crawl in, but they threw the ball and I fell short. I was run out. I was utterly humiliated. I gave Proc the biggest uphill and downdale bollocking you've ever heard on a cricket pitch for running down the wrong side of the track and trampling me into the ground. I'd almost got over that. We got to Corn the following day. Cameron Williamson's a professional. He didn't like me. Um, I tried to like him. Why didn't you like you, Stan? I don't know. I don't know. How can you not like me? Um, I tried to like him, but in the fact of the fact he didn't like me, I sort of, he sort of rubbed off on me. Playing at Corn, I'm fielding bowling green. I'm at three quarters mid-off. Fielder smacks it out. And I thought, oh, happy days. A diving catch. My speciality. Just as I was about to take just as I was about to take off, the sun popped its head over the pavilion and absolutely bloody blinded me. So I dived off smell. Couldn't see the ball. Threw myself up in the air, hovered, hovered, and then hit the deck like a sack of spuds as the ball bounced 35 yards to my left-hand side. <laughs> I was absolutely nowhere near it. Pulled a full toss, I was at square leg and just leapt up one-handed and caught it. John Edmondson ran 30 yards, double somersaulted, caught it in one hand. I could go on and on. Oh, don't. I could go on and on, but in all seriousness, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big chap and I was cumbersome. I was cumbersome. Iggy said I never, you were a great catcher, Stan. I never yes, gave it You had were... Just tell you one last story, because he's. I don't want it to be about me. Well, I do, but... <laughs> the last season, 2002, I think it was, I'm, or am I 44? I chase a ball to the pond. Oh. I've got my cap and my sunglasses on. Because I, I did get into the 90s, even though it was 2000 and up. And I dive full length, 
scooped it back, stood up. My cap had gone left. My sunglasses had gone right. I looked like Ben Hill, Fred Scuttle. Threw it in. And Matt, Matt Hope, couldn't gather it for laughing. And I'll never forget this. I can't remember who was batting. He got to the runner's end and he said, you're fucking laughing, Matt. He said, but I wish our players did that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for listening. Well done, Stan. Just Excellent. one more, Stan. Yeah. Can you remember when I got it through covers at Burnley to run after it and ended up in grass cuttings? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the first over, Stanley. Wide third, wide third man. I thought, real dude. Sliding stop, big stamp. Sliding stop, one hand and scoop. Whizzed in as I rise. I do remember this, yeah. <laughs> yes. Jess, you won't forget this. You won't forget this. They got a they got a grasshopper, grass cutting yeah. hopper in the in the Wellington corner, and it had seat rotted, seat gone across the concrete and saturated the boundary edge. I aquaplaned in diluted grass cuttings. Stood up, threw it in. I've got it in my hair, face. Button up shirt, traditions, button up shirt, and pissed wet. It's the first ball. So the first ball, the first over. And I'll tell you what, I had to field in it in baking hot sun. I stuck to I heaven. They wouldn't let me sit with them at tea time. I had to, they, all, they all sat in the change rooms and I had to sit out outside because I stunk. They were throwing chicken and fucking lettuce at me. He asked them. You don't, you don't come in here. You're not coming in here for your, your take. Sausage rolls, throwing them at me. And then, I to out, then I had to go out and open the body. Where's old Gummidge fielding at fine leg? Yeah. I think that's the one you're on about, Paul. It is, yeah. And when you were walking opposite direction at Nelson, that were a bell to that. The ball went past you for four. You were walking towards wall. <laughs> what? Yeah, that, that's because that's he, he was shouting at Sean. Walking down towards the nets where you used to keep the nets in the box. Yeah, ball trickle past you for four. No, I stopped it, Stan. I stopped it. Speedway, motorway yeah. corner. So we stopped and I turned around. Whoosh there. Poof, bounced on it. Threw it in. Lucky. Lucky. Stop it. What about that time you fielded in your helmet, Stan? When was that? <laughs> I've done better than that, Shields. Yeah, I fielded in a time of shanter. Tam a shanty, you know, the Scottish hat with the bobble. Oh, yeah. Steve <laughs> G insisted on in those days. But, but you wish you'd have played in a more professional environment. Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> in those days, if one game started, you couldn't replay them. And Steve G insisted on starting against Richter. <laughs> and in protest, I feel that third man. In front of the park, very unusual for me because I, I like to be in front of the scorebox. And I went out to field in a Tam O'Shanter. I got a bollock him when soon as Steve G saw it. Threw it back onto the bench. We bowled three balls and game cancelled. So the whole of the league couldn't be replayed. And that was my that was my question. Fielding in the covers, what do you do? You're fielding at short leg. Because I, I want a bad short leg either. Fielding at short leg. Right, Stamp, cover's next next over. Do you run and put your helmet down or do you wear it? <laughs> I chose to wear it. <laughs> and we, 
We were all shocked. No, Stanley, it'll waste too much time. Keep it on, keep it on. For three overs with his helmet on. I was naive in those days. I'd do anything to support the team. <laughs> Gary were proper mad at that, weren't it? <laughs> but I, I love, I mean, Gary, I mean, Brian, Brian Morris, what a star, what a character. And of course, Gary was his son. And it was beautiful. He, a few years ago, maybe three, three, four years, Grace came up and, and helped Jez and myself paint the decky. Remember that, Jez? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then and Bethany came up whilst Grace was there. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we went, of course, to Nikki's wedding and, 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 and Gary and Fran were there. Absolutely wonderful. But Gaz, as a captain, it wasn't, it, you couldn't say you were playing under Tommy Cooper. He was, <laughs> he was, uh, he was our balls. I'll tell you what, Stan, just what you're on about, Brian. The other day, I was, um, I was cleaning out some old boxes in the garage and I found some old CDs that we produced when the club was on its arse and uh, Mark Whitehead were raising money, etc. with those. Can't remember the name of the whole scene. We did about three CDs, and there are some stories on there. And Brian tells the story about going to Blackpool and, yeah. and bringing, yeah. bringing his mate on. We may be yeah. within a podcast, maybe cut them stories in because you know the. I, I'm just driving along, and I thought, what's on this disc? And I put it on, and it had been, you know, my Clash or Sex Pistols old CD. And then I put another one on, and it was Nicky's Bay City Rollers CD. <laughs> and then, and I, and then I found another one, and it, and it came on Joe Benedictio. And then it would roll on, and Edward Lee's on there, Harry Brooks, um, and obviously that story from from Brian Morris. Yeah. But well, Morris, Morris tells that story, Jez. Fantastically well. The Christmas do at Blackpool. Absolutely. Yeah. That's an absolute classic. Yeah. Now, memories are memories, all to be treasured. Our favourite memory was at the end of a season, we went on a cricket club day out to Blackpool. End of season trip. Now then, unknown to me, there was another trip from Burnley from the post office. And it so happened we had a good, right, good day out, a really good day out, plenty of beer, plenty of singing, making our way back to Princess Street car park. And underneath the railway bridge, there was this body led in the gutter. I got nearer to it and I said to Fred Bates, I said, that looks a bit like Ronnie Berry. So we turned him over and Ronnie Berry was a post office worker and he was been on the post office trip. So we picked him up. I said, come on, we'll take him back, put him on his coach. We got to the coach station, only our coach on. So I said to Fred, I said, come on, let's get him on our bus. I'll take him on, he only lives around the corner from me. So I ripped him off the bus, still hadn't come round, still flat out, full of beer. Walked him up Rosdale Avenue, got to his cottage door, went, knocked on the door, no light, three o'clock in the morning. No light whatsoever, no answer. And banged and banged and banged again, went through his pocket looking for his household key, could not find one. 
all of a sudden, the lady next door in the next cottage, bedroom window open. What's going on down there? Oh, I said, hello, Mrs. Robson. I said, I've just brought Bonnie back from, from Blackpool. I said, I can't get in, can't get him in. She said, you won't be able to do. He went with his mother this morning for a week. <laughs> Send more house to save the house. <laughs> 